Communication is one of the best litmus tests to check the health of your organization, including the organization of your family. And a lack of communication, or just plain old bad communication, creates an unhealthy organization that will self-implode. But the good news is that the opposite is also true. Good communication helps create a healthy organization that thrives. This is the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese. And in today's episode, we're gonna learn about essential rock number four, communication. Because without good communication, your team and organization will be plagued with confusion, misinformation, frustration, and mistrust. One of the most famous lines from Paul Newman's 1967 movie, Cool Hand Luke, is delivered by the warden at the prison camp when he says to Newman's insubordinate character, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Oh, how that line summarizes so many problems in our society, our places of work, and even in our families. Because all three are filled with a lot of people, with a lot of opinions and a lot of emotions. (laughs) And they don't know always how to connect or communicate with each other. So in today's episode, we're going to cover essential rock number four, communication. Because communication is one of the best litmus tests to check the health of your organization including the organization of your family. And a lack of communication, or just plain old bad communication, creates an unhealthy organization plagued with confusion, misinformation, frustration, and mistrust. But the good news is that the opposite is also true. Good communication helps create a healthy organization that thrives because it has clarity, the right information, fulfillment, and trust. Communication is simply the process of exchanging information. And exchanging is an act of giving or taking one thing in return for another. So when it comes to communication, we hope to exchange information from the sender for understanding and meaning from the receiver. And the roles of the sender and receiver go back and forth between all parties involved. Now, as a leader, It seems that a majority, honestly, of your time is spent communicating with all of your stakeholders. And y'all, it can wear on you. I get it. And most of the time, that communication is honestly spent handling conflict between the stakeholders. And conflict is usually born from chaos, like we talked about in the last episode, but it's also born out of bad communication. Now, as a high school administrator, y'all, I have dealt with everything from breaking up physical fights and screaming matches between people to working through massive amounts of misinformation on social media. But here's what I've learned from my years as an educator serving students, parents, teachers, and the public at large. Communication is the key to resolving conflict and overcoming problems, as well as preventing new ones from popping up. As a leader, it's imperative that you're a great communicator that knows how to provide clarity in the vision, mission, the strategies, and the tactics of your organization. But being a great communicator is not just being good at delivering clarity, inspiration, and a plan in order to get everybody on the same page. It's also about being a good communicator that knows how to listen and understand others. Remember, the true communication process is about the exchange or the back and forth, sending and receiving. 
And it's this exchange that I believe is causing the biggest gaps in communication in our organizations. Let me explain this communication exchange problem in a different way. I believe all people want to be seen, heard, and understood, which is completely understandable and even a good thing. However, (laughs) this desire also tends to make us very self-focused when it comes to communication. As individuals, we focus so much on being seen, heard, and understood that we actually fail to see, hear, and understand the other person. With everybody so focused on themselves, we actually fail at the exchange part of the communication process. Add to that our innate misconception that people magically know what we're thinking and the expectations we have for others, but never actually speak out. And what we have here is a failure to communicate. Yes, the warden was really right. (laughs) So today, let's break down a few causes of bad communication that may sink your team, your organization, or your family, as well as the four C's that are going to help us make progress to establish better communication. Before we can talk about solutions for providing better communication in every organization of your work and home life, it's important that we understand what the actual problem is to begin with. Identifying and understanding the actual problem, well, that doesn't necessarily seem like a novel concept, yet it's one that we rarely put into practice. So here's my quick aside in one of my random for the love of leadership moments. For the love of leadership, take time to understand the actual problem you're trying to solve. Most often, people and yes, leaders want quick results for their problems. So they look to the band-aid solutions that will only fix service level problems. They never go deeper to understanding what the actual problem is so that they can provide the corrective surgery solution that's really needed. Yes, we leaders want to stop the bleeding. I get it. But you can't just put a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound and hope that it actually fixes what's happening in the first place. Correcting the behavior, the organizational culture, the broken systems and processes, the flow of clear communication, that's the corrective surgery solution that's really needed for most problems we face. So, Keeping my random for the love of leadership moments in mind, before I talk about how we can build better lines of communication at work and at home, let's work to understand the driving behaviors that are causing the bad communication in the first place. While there's so many reasons people can communicate badly, I want to dive into four general areas that usually apply in most situations. The four general areas of bad communication are one, selfishness. Two, unspoken expectations. Three, format. And four, storytelling. First, let's talk about the problem-causing behavior of selfishness in communication. Remember how I said a few moments ago that as individuals, we focus so much on being seen, heard, and understood that we fail to see, hear, and understand the other person? With everybody so focused on themselves, we actually fail at the exchange part of communication. Now, in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen R. Covey dedicates a whole habit to communication, and he summarizes the problem of selfishness in communication in this way. He says, quote, most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. How true is that statement? We are usually so selfish with our communication 
that we only think about our own thoughts, ideas, and feelings and how we want to express them so that others will understand our point of view. (laughs) But when everybody communicates this way, no one is in fact understanding anything. It is utter selfishness to think that everyone should understand you, your thoughts, and your ideas, and that you should never have to humble yourself and lay your own opinions aside to seek to understand somebody else's point of view or ideas. The selfishness in communication is running rampant in society. I mean, just look at politics and social media. So cause number one of bad communication is selfishness in the exchange or by focusing only on making sure we send out our messages without working to receive the messages from others. Now, the second problem causing behavior of bad communication is unspoken expectations. People are great at developing expectations for experiences and other people, but never actually communicating those expectations to the stakeholders involved. Leaders, I must speak a truth to you that will change your work, your marriage, your parenting, and yes, (laughs) your life. So please lean in on this one and internalize it. Now, if you're currently distracted while listening to this podcast, maybe you're driving or washing dishes, bring your mind back because I don't want you to miss this one for the most life-changing statement you might ever hear. Here it is. People cannot read your mind. You must verbalize your thoughts. Now, let me say that one again. Your employees can't read your mind. You must verbalize your thoughts. Your spouse can't read your mind. You must verbalize your thoughts. And your children cannot read your mind. You must verbalize your thoughts. I am constantly amazed at how many times I hear from leaders and parents, I expect yada, yada, yada. And they should know that on my team or as my employee or as my child that yada, yada, yada. Now, here's the truth that comes out. Those expectations from leaders and parents are usually never spoken. They're only implied in a very vague way where the other person would have to have listened, heard the hidden messages, and then put those puzzle pieces together to even understand what the expectation was. Going back to problem number one in that people don't typically listen to understand others anyway, why in the world should we think that people would listen for vague clues and spend mental energy to guess at what our expectations are. So here's an easy work example. The thought in our minds. My employees should know how to create and give a great presentation or run an effective meeting. The truth is that we never voiced our expectations, nor did we train our employees in how presentations should look or how meetings should be run. And so we sit in our own frustration when they don't meet our unspoken expectations. The reality is that we judge them on a game where we didn't even give them the rules. So how are they even supposed to know how to play? So the second cause of bad communication is not verbalizing expectations, but assuming people can read our minds and know our expectations. I truly believe that unspoken expectations is such a bad problem in communication at work, especially between leaders and employees, that I just can't leave you hanging there. I've got to provide you with something, a quick first step on how to fix that problem. Because as a leader over a team or organization, you need that first step to provide clarity to your employees about your expectations. So we've created a simple high-will, high-skill chart that will help you to quickly identify what your expectations are 
and then communicate them in such a way that your employees can understand it. So to get our free high wheel high skill chart, go to our website, bressentialservices.com slash clarity. Again, bressentialservices.com slash clarity and receive your free high wheel high skill chart. So the first problem is being selfish in communication. The second problem is having unspoken expectations. Now the third problem causing behavior of bad communication is format or the way in which we communicate. Now format can include everything from our nonverbal body language to our tone, to the location in which we try to communicate and even the context in which we try to communicate. Just in case you didn't already know this, but the format in which you communicate matters. It matters a lot. For example, crossing your arms or turning away from the person you're communicating with does not help the other person receive your message. (laughs) Yelling louder doesn't in fact help the other person receive your message. Starting a conversation about one problem, but then bringing up all the past grievances in the conversation doesn't in fact help the other person receive your message. And having what should be a private conversation in front of others doesn't help the other person receive your message. Yet when we communicate, we do all four of these things. We often turn away, sit away, or stand over the person we're supposed to be engaging with. Our facial expressions tell all kinds of stories to the person we're talking to. And for some of y'all, your facial expressions, well, they really undermine what you're trying to communicate. We often get so worked up with our emotions that we turn to yelling or text and email in all caps to just prove our point. Now, that only breeds anger, not understanding. And we often bring up past offenses instead of talking about the current situation. Y'all, if we want people to receive our feedback on a problem, then we need to only talk about one problem at a time. Consider the problem like a football. People can catch one football when you throw it, but when you're sitting there throwing multiple footballs at them, you cannot expect them to receive them all. And lastly, we call people out publicly, which adds public humiliation to the dynamic. And can I just say, this is a huge offender to all relationships, from employees to spouses to children. When you publicly embarrass or humiliate another person, you have done major damage to your relationship. So spouses, never badmouth each other in public. Parents, pull your kids aside for a private conversation or even scolding. And leaders, always take those feedback conversations behind closed doors. All right, moving on. The fourth problem causing behavior of bad communication is storytelling or how we fill in the gaps of information with made up stories in our minds. Now, in communication, there is a gap in clear communication, and our brain is constantly and desperately seeking to make sense of the situation and close the gap. Our brain closes those gaps by making assumptions or creating stories about what the person is trying to say and what their intentions are. Now, in Patterson, Granny, and all the other authors' books, Crucial Conversations and Crucial Accountability, they do a much better job of explaining the concept by saying that this is a typical pattern. One, we see and hear what a person did or said, which goes into two, we tell ourselves a story about why he or she did that. And then three, that causes us to develop a feeling towards them, which then four, leads to our response actions to what they said or did. 
And so many times, the stories that we tell ourselves about the other person are wrong, which leads us to have a wrong response action. Specifically in the book, Crucial Accountability, it states that we judge others by their behaviors, you know, their words or their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Well, we provide ourselves grace because we know our heart and we often tell ourselves ugly or flattering stories about the other person and their intentions. And then we act on as if those stories were actually true. So here's two examples, one from marriage and one from work. First up, let's talk about the husband and the wife. So the husband's hungry and goes to the pantry to get some popcorn. He makes the comment, sheesh, no popcorn. We haven't had popcorn all week. Now the wife hears his snide comment and then tells herself a story that her husband thinks that she isn't a good wife that makes it a priority to care for her family by keeping the pantry stocked. She's angered by this story. And while she usually harbors anger silently, this time she decides to yell back in a loud voice. Well, I am so sorry I didn't buy your precious popcorn. You know, we both work full-time jobs and I'm working my butt off to take care of all the kids in the house. You're just as capable as I am to go buy your freaking popcorn. Can you see how the wife jumped to conclusions about the husband's intent? He wasn't calling her a bad wife. He was literally just saying the statement that they didn't have popcorn. Now, let's move on to our second story. The boss and the employee. So the employee who is up for a promotion at work has four kids ranging from three to 14. Well, last night, his 14-year-old had a meltdown over not being able to go to a party. So the employee stayed up late calming the teenager down, explaining why going to the party was not a safe choice. But in the middle of the night, his three-year-old woke up puking. So he stayed up for hours, consoling the three-year-old and cleaning up the mess. As soon as the employee gets to work, the boss asked if he had read the email that was sent last night over an urgent matter. The employee responded by saying, not yet. Hearing the simple, nonchalant response from the employee, the boss becomes angered at the employee's lack of urgency or desire to stay connected to what's going on. So the boss told himself the story that the employee didn't care about the urgent matter as much as his coworker did. The coworker who checked his email at 6 a.m. and had already replied. So the boss's next thought was that, well, maybe the coworker deserved the promotion more. Then the boss responded to the employee saying, you know, if you want this promotion, you need to take your job more seriously and be available 24-7 so you're aware of urgent matters such as this one. Both of these examples show how the stories that we can tell in our heads can lead us to a bad response. The wife completely overreacted to popcorn and the boss jumped to major conclusions about the employee. Oh, the stories we tell ourselves about people's intentions. We are great at assuming and jumping to conclusions, which leads us to overreacting in how we communicate. Storytelling is one of the worst behaviors causing bad communication in our places of work and in our homes. So to recap, there's four general behaviors that cause bad communication in the first place. Selfishness, unspoken expectations, format, and storytelling. And now that we understand the problems behind bad communication a little bit better, we can begin to work towards solutions. If selfishness, unspoken expectations, format, and storytelling are some of the biggest offenders to communication, then how can we overcome them in order to be intentional in providing good communication in our organizations? Leaders, 
If you can learn the four C's of communication, then you will be well on your way to building a better self, better relationships, better culture, and a better organization. The four C's of good communication are one, check your ego, two, clarity, three, channel, and four, converse. When you check your ego, you'll focus on becoming less selfish in communication and seek to understand others first before responding. To be clear, well, that's to be kind. So when you focus on clarity in your communication, you remove the noise and focus on what matters most. And when you pick the right channel of communication, you become intentional in choosing the best body language, tone, problem to discuss, location, and platform to use so others can receive your message. And finally, when you learn how to stop dominating the conversation, you'll build an environment where everybody can freely converse and have open dialogue that includes all stakeholders. The four C's of good communication will guide you to understand others, have dialogue, foster collaboration, and provide clarity. In other words, It provides the best environment and format for information to truly be exchanged and for real communication to take place. Without the four C's, your organization will continue in inconsistency, confusion, storytelling, frustration, and conflict. So let's break down the four C's of communication and learn how we can apply them to our professional and personal lives. C of good communication is to check your ego. Now, we've already talked about this concept in episode 10 when we discussed how to handle conflict, but I have to be blunt here. Leaders, the number one thing that gets in the way of being a good leader is your ego. You have to get over yourself. Leadership is about serving others, not about feeding your inner needs for affirmation, validation, or power. Your starting point in conversation should not be yourself. It should be in listening and understanding others first. So check your ego. As leaders, we have to break the behavior of being selfish with communication. Again, if everybody is fighting or even yelling to be understood and nobody humbles themselves to be the one who actually seeks to understand, then all you have is back and forth conflict which, oddly enough, makes me think of that old Atari and arcade game Pong, just back and forth, back and forth. So the Bible provides such great wisdom on all things. So communication and interacting with others is, of course, mentioned. Throughout the entire Bible, we see countless examples of how we need to focus less on ourselves and more on Christ and other people. So for example, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20 tells us, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Wow, it must be really important if they're saying take note. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Get it? Did you hear it? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. If we could all just follow that one guideline, imagine how much better our relationships would be at work and at home. We must humble ourselves from our desire to be understood and choose empathy or empathetic listening to truly try to understand those that we're communicating with. Empathy is about putting yourself in the place of the other person and understanding what they're going through and how they must be feeling. 
Again, going back to the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen R. Covey says that habit number five is to seek first to understand, then to be understood. He literally says, and I quote, If I were to summarize in one sentence the single most important principle I've learned in the field of interpersonal relations, it would be this. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. This principle is the key to effective interpersonal communication, end quote. So remember, when you go to communicate with your organization, your team, your spouse, or even your child, the first C of good communication is to check your ego. Seek to understand the other person first. Don't listen in order to build your own response or rebuttal. Stay curious. Ask about their thoughts, feelings, and current situations. Ask open-ended questions and truly listen to what they're saying. Check your ego and seek to understand others first. The second C of good communication is clarity, or to be clear in your message. Now, as a person who has worn glasses most of my life, I have a huge appreciation for clarity. Because when I take my glasses off, y'all, I can't see anything. My vision is so fuzzy, I can't see to drive. My depth perception is all off, so I'm way more clumsy. And honestly, the fuzziness makes me sick to my stomach. But as soon as I put my glasses back on, my world, ah, it becomes clear again. I find my footing, and I feel more confident to go out into the world because I know which way to go. I can see the obstacles ahead of me. I can see the path. To be clear in communication is to be kind to people. It's like giving everyone the glasses they need to see. Providing clarity in communication is all about giving people the right prescription of information to remove the fuzziness so that they can see their environment clearly, have solid footing of where they are, and know which way they need to go to avoid disaster and accomplish success. However, (laughs) we also have to recognize that people have different needs. Just like I can't hand my pair of glasses and say to someone else, here, you'll see better, just use my glasses. I can assume that everybody needs the same style of information to receive clarity. Some people need just the big picture only and that's good enough for them. Others, well, they need a little bit of guideline or structure and they can fill in the rest. And still others, they're very analytical, And they need all the details. They need the data, the charts, the play-by-play information to see clearly. And they need that to feel confident to go forth. So how in the world can a leader provide clarity considering all the differentiated needs of people? The answer's not as hard as you think it is. All you need are three things. A storyboard, highlighted main points, and a learn more section. To provide clarity, you always have to start with a good storyboard. (laughs) Why? Stories are the easiest form of communication to follow and understand. And the truth is that if you don't provide the story, people are going to make up their own. Don't believe me? Read any news media post and comments for about 10 seconds. Remember what I said about stories as a problem in communication. We all like them and we try to create them in our heads because our brains are wired to fill the gaps. On the receiving side of communication, as leaders... We need to avoid telling ourselves stories about our employees and family members' intentions by seeking clarity and asking questions. Don't jump to conclusions about another person's intent. Simply ask them why they feel a certain way or what they mean if you don't understand their message. 
On the sending side of communication, though, as leaders, be intentional in creating and communicating a complete story. Because if you don't create a story that's clear and complete, others are going to create one for you. And you're going to usually, just to be honest, you're going to be the villain in their version of the story. So hear me again on this. To provide good communication, we don't want people making up their own stories about our intent and our information that we have. This means we have to create the story or the storyboard for them to provide the clarity they need. We have to anticipate the information gaps that they may have and be proactive in closing them. Storyboards are a shorter way to tell the whole story by viewing just enough of the main concepts of the plot that there aren't any major gaps of information. You know, the gaps where people add in all kinds of assumptions and build their own subplots. Storyboards provide all the important parts of the information needed for clarity of the situation. So beyond having a storyboard for clarity, leaders need to become really good at highlighting the main points. Now, this can literally look like bolded headings or sections of information, or they can sound like repeatable phrases of the main points. In other words, they're statements that people would see if they were skimming a document or an email, or they're statements they would hear repeatedly if they were only half listening to the story. Generally speaking, though, highlighting the main points of the story sounds like this. Here's one sentence summary of the story. Here's the characters involved. Here's the problem. Here's the root cause, here's the proposed solution, and here's the action that is needed. And again, here's a one-sentence summary of the story. Now, finally, to provide clarity, you need to add a learn more section to your speech, email, presentation, or conversation. Adding a learn more section just means you're offering those people who need all the details an avenue to gain more detailed information. People who need all the facts can quickly become annoyed or anxious if they don't have a way to learn more about the details. So as leaders, we need to be proactive in providing an avenue to learn more. This could look like an appendix, links to articles, attachments, or even an opportunity for a follow-up conversation. The second C of good communication is to provide clarity by creating a storyboard for your message, highlighting the main points, and providing an avenue to learn more. The third C of good communication is to pick the right channel. Remember playing with the walkie-talkies as a kid? If you didn't have the right channel, your message wouldn't go through to the other person. You had to both make sure you were on like channel one or channel three. Communication channels are how you choose to communicate. You can have a conversation, a collaborative meeting, give a presentation, have a debate, or send an email, text, or memo. So many times, people choose the wrong channel to communicate their message. They host a meeting that should have been an email, or they send an email that should have been a conversation, or send a directive memo to all employees that should have been a conversation and a directive to the one employee that isn't following the policy. And parents, too often, we choose the channel of yelling across the house or room, And that channel, y'all, has a lot of static. People are not listening on the other end. When you are deciding what channel you need to use to communicate, you need to think about two things. The type of message you need to give and the audience you're sending the message to. Is the story or message you're sending for information only? Is it a directive? Is it to have dialogue? Or is it to collaborate on and debate ideas? 
Deciding the type of message or story is important so you pick the right channel. For example, information only can easily be sent in an email or presentation. A directive needs to be a conversation with a follow-up email. And let me just say this plainly. Emotional or high-stake messages should always be done face-to-face, never in email or text. Do not attempt to fix a bad working, romantic, or parent-child relationship via email or text. It is so easy for people to read in whatever tone and intent they want to in the text or email. Having voice inflection and body language to help interpret a sensitive message is huge for understanding. Beyond deciding the type of message or story you're telling, you need to always think about how to connect to the audience receiving it. An easy way to think about and connect with the intended audience is to think about your audience's waffle. Yeah, you heard me right. (laughs) Your audience's waffle. Based upon the situation and the message you need to give, what are your audience's wants, aspirations, fears, frustrations, loves, and expectations? By putting yourself in your audience's shoes or their waffles, you can not only better craft your story or message, but you can choose the more appropriate channel for communication. The more fear and frustration your audience has, the more personal the communication really needs to be. So before I move on from the channel of good communication, I want to address a major problem in our workplaces, and that is the overuse of email. Y'all, our workplaces have turned into a CYA culture. And for those of you that don't know, CYA means, and please forgive my language, but CYA means to cover your ass. People become self-focused about protecting themselves over actually communicating with others. So we do things like copy someone on one email chain without ever having a conversation about the topic. Our workplaces are quickly turning into environments where the CC (laughs) is overused and we CC everyone on God's green earth. And then we'll dig in our heels and say that we communicated. Essentially, this CYA Email culture is saying that, well, if I copy everyone on every email, I'll never have to take responsibility concerning any problem because I communicated about them. And this is an absolute fallacy. In our heads, we justify ourselves by saying, well, it's not my fault Bethany didn't know. I copied her on that one email that one time six months ago. She should have known this widget was a problem. Email in our workplace has gotten absolutely ridiculous. And it's not only that CYA culture, but it's truly breaking down communication in our organizations. We have become so dependent on the channel of email communication that we are overwhelming every employee everywhere because we can't keep up with our inbox. Then tempers flare when people don't respond quickly. So listen carefully when I say that better communication will happen in a two-minute conversation than in 20 emails going back and forth. So please, again, my phrase, for the love of leadership, pick up the phone and phone a friend. It's not only better communication, but it's going to save you time by not having to respond to 20 emails. So (laughs) forgive my passion about email, but oh Lord, please be more selective in deciding when to call versus when to email. To recap, the third C of good communication 
is to always pick the right channel of communication. The right channel makes all the difference in the world in making sure that your message goes out in the right way so it can be received. The fourth and final C of good communication is to converse. Converse means to actually have a conversation or exchange ideas. To exchange means that information needs to flow back and forth between people. So what I really want to focus on here is to be intentional about making sure that conversation flows between all parties. Don't allow one person, (laughs) including yourself, to dominate the communication. If domination occurs, you are indeed not conversing anymore because there's no exchange. The communication has become one-sided. Now, one of the best ways you can foster an environment for actual conversation or the exchange of ideas is to make the environment safe for all stakeholders involved. If several people are involved, then you probably also need to add norms in place to guide the conversation. To make the environment safe is to establish clarity of the topic to be discussed, to have calm tones, to have open body language, ask open-ended questions, and encourage those that aren't engaged to join in. As a leader, the form of communication you have shouldn't always be a one-way street. It's imperative that you create environments that foster conversation or those two-way streets where information goes both directions. So not to scare you, but there's two amazing quotes that provide great warnings for leaders that don't allow conversation to flow back and forth. The first warning is a quote by leadership consultant Tim McClure. He says, quote, the biggest concern for any organization should be when their most passionate people become quiet, end quote. The second warning is a quote by pastor and author Andy Stanley, quote, leaders who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say, end quote. Leaders, do you foster an environment in your organizations and your families where all people converse freely? Do your employees feel empowered to speak up and share their ideas? Do your kids feel safe in sharing their opinions even though they differ from yours? If not, work to build an environment and culture that engages your employees and your family in actual conversation. The fourth C of good communication is to converse. Be intentional in providing an environment that fosters conversation or an exchange of information. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of essential rock number four, communication. The quality of your communication greatly affects the health of your work organization and your family. So stay alert. Look for the presence of the four general root causes and behaviors of bad communication. Again, they are one, selfishness, listening only to respond. Two, unspoken expectations, assuming people know what we're thinking or expecting of them. And three, format, communicating with the wrong body language and tone about the wrong problems and in the wrong location. And then finally, four, storytelling, filling in the gaps of missing information with our own assumptions. Now, to overcome the four general problem areas of bad communication, you can be intentional in following the four C's of good communication. They're one, check your ego. Be quick to listen and slow to speak by being an empathetic listener who seeks to understand others first. Two, clarity. 
Provide clarity to your message by creating a storyboard, highlighting the main points, and providing an avenue to learn more details. Three, channel. Pick the right mode of communication for your message so it can be received clearly by the audience. And fourth, converse. Be intentional in providing an environment that fosters conversation or the exchange of information. By building your life and leadership on essential rock number four, good communication, your work and family organization will go from having confusion to having clarity, from feeling frustration to feeling empathy, and from creating assumptions to building trust. Clarity, empathy, and trust. Now that's a recipe for safety, problem solving, collaboration, innovation, and success. So as a leader over a team or organization, a great first step is to provide your employees with clarity about your expectations of them as employees. And I want to remind you again, we've created a high-will, high-skill chart that you can quickly use to help identify and clarify what your expectations actually are so you can communicate it in a way that your employees actually understand it. <laughs> to get our free high-will, high-skill chart, go to our website, BREssentialServices.com slash clarity. Again, that's BREssentialServices.com slash clarity. Until next time, continue putting in the work of building your life and leadership on the rocks, the essential rocks. God bless. Hey, it's Bethany. Before I get into today's Essential Rock for Leadership, I wanted to update you on an exciting new opportunity. So many of you have reached out expressing how overwhelmed you are as leaders, especially you new leaders out there. I hear you. And I am so excited to tell you about my new on-demand course, Leadership on the Rocks, The Survival Guide. In this online course, you'll learn everything you need to know to overcome overwhelm and implement clear strategies and tactics to, one, feel confident, two, create a great work culture. Three, develop efficient ways of working. Four, produce results. And five, find harmony between your work and home life. Most leadership courses are all theory, but but that's not how we roll at Leadership on the Rocks. We'll cover the most essential leadership strategies and tactics that you can implement at work tomorrow. I'll be unlocking this course soon, so be sure to join the waitlist so you can receive your loyal listener discount. Go to my website, leadershipontherocks.com. That's leadershipontherocks.com. And click the Join the Waitlist button or click on the link in the show notes. Remember, the most essential rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires.